Hello, and welcome to Non-Breaking Space. Non-Breaking Space is a show where we seek out the best and brightest people on the web and talk to them about how and why they do what they do. Your hosts are today are me, Christopher Schmidt, and Dave McFarlane. We're two web designers, authors, and trainers who have a passion for sharing knowledge about the web. Usually, Chris Enns is here. He's a web designer and podcaster that, uh, that we uh, have asked him to uh, help push the record button and keep everyone on track here on Non-Breaking Space. But he's not here today because he has a brand new healthy baby girl, and so we send our congratulations out to him. Uh, on our show today is really Peters. Uh, she's a Belgian web and graphic designer, known throughout the web world for elegantly designed web projects, tutorials promoting CSS, and her articles and blog posts on graphic design, web design, and modern home design. In 2000, she founded Doa. Is that right? Doa? Yes, yes, oh, okay. that's right. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> With uh, Gert Lassey, is that right? Geert Geert Lassey, his name is even more <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say Gert, but I really want to get his last name right. So it's Gert. I find that always cute when people say Gert. Yeah, it is. So, so how do you say again? Sorry. Geert. Geert. Yeah, the G and the R in, in the Dutch or in oh. Flemish is, is rather hard for English speakers. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's Geert? We both have difficult names. Okay. Yeah, Geert. Okay, Geert. Is that it? That's perfect, yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm going, to just, I'm going to hit record and paste that into like whenever I try to say his name. Uh, uh, they choose their projects based on how well they connect with the company. And I worked on everything from Expression Engine 2.0's GUI to innovative creative projects for the Library of Congress and yeah. sites for businesses large and small. So, uh, so Dave, how's it going? Hi, Christopher. Uh, things are crazy, hectic. I've got yeah. so much stuff going on. I'm finishing up my um, CSS book, which is due like in a matter of days. And right. Um, awesome. I got this big conference in uh, December in Hawaii that you're putting on and I'm yeah. presenting on jQuery and, yeah. um, and I'm shooting this documentary in the month of November. <laughs> so <laughs> you're doing a documentary now? Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Dude, you're everywhere, man. Well, what's the documentary on? Uh, I'm doing a documentary on this thing called uh, National Novel Writing Month. Oh, yeah. Also called NaNoWriMo. Yeah. And my wife does it every year. This is her fourth year. Mm -hmm. So I am basically... Uh, following her through the course of the month as she writes a, a 50,000 word novel. Wow. And, and how many years has she been doing this? So this will be her fourth. Fourth year. Wow. So that's, yeah. so she's done at least three novels mm -hmm. or at least attempted three novels, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Wow. No, she's, she's completed them each, oh, wow. each year. So, wow. that's awesome. but it's always a struggle. Yeah. I mean, getting 50, that's six, uh, 1,667 words every day. Right. So on top of, you know, You're having cool. a family and working right. and that stuff. So yeah, I, I could give you 50,000 words. I just don't think there'd be any order whatsoever. Yes. Right? Well, certainly just go to Wikipedia, yeah. copy, paste, but yeah. you no, know, she actually writes it from her own brain wow. and all. So, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm filming it and okay. I've been, um, uh, going to edit it and I'm interviewing some other people mm -hmm. and going to some of the events that happen around locally here in Portland. Um, there are a bunch of uh, NaNoWriMo inspired events, but nice. anyhow, enough about me. We've cool. got an excellent guest on today. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, let's bring her on. Like, uh, Brill, welcome to the show. Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me. You're welcome. Cool. Awesome. Well, we're really honored to have you here on the show today. Um, 
yeah, I just want to know, like, how did you get started in, uh, well, you didn't get started in web design right away, but you got started in graphic design? Yes. Right? So how did you get started in design? And then, you know, talk, maybe talk about how that, you got started with the design and how that kind of got morphed into doing web design, too. Uh, well, drawing and painting has always been like a hobby for me since I was a little kid. I think I drew more doodles and, and, and stuff when I was little than I watched TV, actually. <laughs> and I always considered it as, as a hobby. But um, And so in school, I, I studied totally, totally different things. I didn't know what I would become when I was like uh, 16 years, even at 18. I, I just figured that I could do something with, with, uh, with my talent. And uh, well, not that I thought I had talent at that point, but I loved it. And so I heard from a friend that you could study like uh, to become a designer in an, an ad agency and said like, oh, wow. Oh, that's maybe something I, I need to look into. And so I looked at uh, two schools, two art schools, and uh, I chose the one that was more uh, geared to printing, to print design. And I thought, like, th I felt like this is my thing. I want to learn. And, and I finally found something that I that I hmm. thought, like, this is going to be my profession. I was very convinced. But I was scared at the same time because I, uh, I didn't have the skills. I was already... Uh, 18, 19, 19 or something, yeah, when I started. And most of the students, they all had like art school background. They came from an art school in, in, uh, before that. And <laughs> in, in the higher school, I don't know how the the name how you name it in the u.s but it's like it's not university but just one level down the, the teachers they don't teach you like how you need to draw and everything you have an assignment and they they give you some advice but most of the things you need to learn yourself so i had to learn the drawing and the painting and everything and i remember i gave myself a deadline because i felt like i was not uh, well i felt like i was doing not as good as most of the students but apparently the teachers saw that I had some potential. They saw evolution in, in, uh, in my uh, work. And so I, I had mm -hmm. to work hard to get to a certain level. And then, yeah, I, I, after my, uh, I had my degree, I uh, started to look uh, for a job in, uh, in print. And it took me a year. But I always heard I always heard the same thing. Like I, my work was nice, but I didn't have any experience, and I was so eager to 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 get started. And I, I think I jumped a little bit too fast into, into going freelance, because it was like, <laughs> yeah, a matter of time. I was already negotiating with for a job that. Uh, and the and the, the owner of there was a small print print shop and the owner said like yeah I, I really want to work with with you, uh, but it was part of a, a bigger print uh, company and the big boss had to give his go and so and then after after a while I heard back and they said like yeah another person uh, from the big print uh, company was also aiming for that same job and so he got um, he got the job instead of me and I and I knew I remember I said like if I don't have the job I'm going to, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to go freelance wow. so that made <laughs> me like, make the decision to to go freelance uh, and it, it's funny, but here in Belgium, as soon as you start on your own, you had to go through tons of paperwork, like for the VAT number and such, and that oh, takes right. like 
weeks because um, and so I started that the whole process <laughs> and a few weeks later that same guy called me again and said like are you still interested in the job because <laughs> it's too late so yeah <laughs> it was like and and I I didn't realize how tough it would be it was a bit naive of me to to go dancing all, uh, all yeah out of the blue and just you know with no experience just the school yeah. so so like so you decide to go freelancing like like what's a VAT like just in case people don't know who are listening but what type of stuff did you have to go through like what type of paperwork did you have to fill out just to start up uh, freelancing uh, oh. I I remember I had to go to the oh, but the terms are going to be hard to see in English. Yeah. Uh, it's really to start up yeah, like a business here you have to uh, a lot of paperwork and yeah. bureaucracy that you have yes. to go through so VAT is in Europe you have it's called value added tax is that right and you have to everything every all the work you do you you have to add a, a tax to it is that yes so every uh, work I, I uh, that that I do I have to invoice and the invoice has the VAT so we're obligated to do it like that um, and then uh, all the costs that come mm-hmm. uh, so invoices with VAT and there you don't <laughs> the system like that so there you can recuperate the VAT so uh, wow so you you didn't ha- you went from having not had any job experience in graphic design to running your own business. Yes. Yes. <laughs> in a bad agency, uh, I say apprenticeship or, but that was actually not from the school. Some schools do that. Like you have to do a month of apprenticeship and then, uh, just to learn but i found an agency who was willing to give me like a, a one month to <laughs> play around a bit but it wasn't play around it was actually a bad experience uh, i thought like it was just the beginning of uh, desktop publishing mm-hmm. and i was out that i had a bit of experience on the mac already and i thought like okay that agency has a few macs so i was already thinking like oh, i'm gonna be able to work on the on the mac but they, the the boss didn't give me any chance <laughs> i i just had to do some pre-sketching stuff like uh, with markers and stuff and then i had to i remember the first day it was it was really terrible. If you think about it now, the job that I did, I think it would probably take less than an hour. And I <laughs> one day, there was this letterhead design, and at the bottom of the letterhead, there were all small logos, like from brands like Philips. It was I don't know, it was with, with something with electricity stuff. I, I don't remember, but it was like all little logos, and I had to go downstairs to the dark room and reduce all the or- <laughs> yeah, it was really handwork with, uh, with uh, yeah f- on photo paper and uh, put it uh, the tiny logos on photo paper with with special glue and then i came up with came uh, to the boss with with uh, with uh, with other hats with all the little logos uh, mounted on on the 
on the paper and he was looking with his uh, magnifying glass to see if that logo needed to move uh, a half a millimeter to to the left or the right so it need to be there were like i don't know 25 logos two lines on a footer that i had aligned perfectly with equally spacing <laughs> image <laughs> <laughs> it's like a crazy job if you think about it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so this was obviously well before the web came around. Um, how did you uh, get started in the web when it finally took off? Um, where I assume you were probably doing print stuff, and then you started to get an interest in the web. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was 1995, uh, even. Uh, an internet connection and uh, subscription with a, with a very slow modem. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that 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 my Mac usually had. Uh, there was always like updates for drivers, print drivers, and I always heard the guy, yeah, I'll look on the internet, and I'm down, and I was thinking, yeah, the internet, that's something interesting. They always <laughs> go look there. I, I should check it out. So I had the subscription for the internet, and then I. Uh, a bit later there were pages with images and and then a bit later the moving images and stuff and i was like these pages i was thinking these pages all need a design you know it was i was looking at it and and saw that it was like growing a little bit into more uh layout and and basic design so i i was kind of interested how it was created and if and i experimented with it i remember i i created a website for uh, a local radio station here in, in our city uh and I, I i designed a site for them and i was it was like in, in i don't know the, the app anymore but it was like a bit like bb edit mm-hmm. oh Worldwide Web Weaver, it was called. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh-huh. <laughs> With that, and from one thing came to another. So <laughs> that's how it yeah, started. In 1996, I was actually creating websites. Wow. And I think my first client was actually from Taiwan. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Really? <laughs> like, yeah, and the US uh, also. Huh. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of people who listen to our podcast are either are freelancers or hope to someday, you know, throw off the shackles of working for a corporation and want to follow your path and and work for themselves. Um, How did you in those early days, how did you make it? I mean, how did you a find clients uh, B you know, get food on the table? Well, I have to admit that the first years were really, really hard. I totally underestimated it. And I think if I would knew it was so hard, (laughs) so if there's one thing I've learned, like from uh, just jumping right through it, uh, is is to think about it first, like uh, indeed do a bit of investigation to see if you have... Uh, if you think you have uh, enough work. Uh, I had some friends from friends who were promising like, yeah, we have work for you and we have work for you. And I all believed it. And it was (laughs) true for, so at some point it was true, but not like enough for me to live on. So first uh, five years actually were really, really hard. The, The web wasn't there yet. And, 
I was also not so good at selling myself. Uh, it was when I met Heert that he said like, yeah, but you need to go on the road. You need to show your work. People don't know you. So why not take your your portfolio and just yeah go or or at first I did send I, I had like a little brochure that I said that I sent like I as a mailing and then I called companies but that didn't really work very well so I did the very direct method and I just went and jumped in my car and went to companies uh, and handed over my business card and I remember like one day I did like 30 companies <laughs> I <laughs> did it <laughs> and then yeah one called and uh, he was interested in doing uh, a design for a brochure and then i had the brochure as 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 a, a portfolio thing to show to other companies and one thing came to another but it went very slowly and very hard i now the the time setting is totally different and with the internet you can you can share your work online it's it's totally not to compare but on the other hand there's so many of them and you have to be you know you have to stand out so it's it's also a big challenge for people starting out now but i would say like make sure your work is online and, and that you there and all the social media and stuff to to make sure you're you're hurt so that would be my uh, <laughs> advice <laughs> so uh what's your work like these days is it a combination of uh print and and brand design as well as uh web web design it's mostly web design and almost non-print actually oh. <laughs> I've done some print uh, work, except the book cover designs, like for Aaron Gustafson's book and Smashing Magazine. But apart from that, a logo design is also something that's frequently uh, something frequently that I, uh, that I frequently do, and also uh, iPhone and iPad app design, so mobile design uh, that I do. Um, yeah, but mostly web, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, how did you meet with, um, I'm, I'm, I want to mispronounce his name, uh, Gert? Gerte. Gerte, yeah. So, how did you meet, uh, meet him and start the company? Uh, I met him actually, when I started my my, uh, my freelancing, it was uh, my, my sister and my brother-in-law, they had a pub here at the station and I was a bit like concierge. <laughs> I uh, had my own, uh, um, uh, I say, uh, not apartment, but I, 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 uh, I lived there and I had my little office there at the first floor. And in the weekends, I was behind the bar <laughs> serving beers and stuff. And he was a regular. And I always thought, like, if there's a place I will not meet my, my, my true love, it will be here. But <laughs> I and so and he was um, he was full time working. Um, but then he got well he was he was always interested in in uh, in uh, what i was doing and uh, yeah all of a sudden we, we uh, decided he he gave up his job and we decided to to join me in uh, in my business so he's kind of the person who helped me save my business because it was 
just right before the internet came and he was always like the guy who saw the potential in, in, in the internet and which direction we should go or I should go. Uh, he's good at that. He has like a clear vision on what would be the, the wise decision uh, business-wise. So he has always like a very important factor for the reason why I'm now uh, so so far in, in uh, with the business uh, actually, yeah. Yeah, so, you, yeah. so you've been around since um, pretty much the beginning of building web sites. I mean, 95, that's when I got started too. Um, so a lot has changed. There's been a lot of, of uh, evolution in not only techniques, but in style, visual style. Um, how, how do you think, uh, or what do you think of the evolution of design uh, on the web from the early days to now? It's been more exciting. There's more. There's more freedom in what we can do now than how it was. It was so restricted. Just think about type. Uh, I mean, typography. Mm -hmm. The and also now with the mobile uh, apps. Well, this is not a web, uh, but um, yeah, and, and just pure from a design perspective I, it's way more fun it's also more challenging because <laughs> we can do more it makes yeah. it more challenging but creativity on the creativity side it's positive so yeah um, what are some of the more recent innovations that uh, really have gotten you excited in terms of techniques or, or like CSS for example um, sounds like uh, typography being able to use web fonts that kind of thing are there other other kinds of uh, CSS tricks that are really exciting to you these days? Well, yeah, the this, this CSS uh, animations that you can do, uh, everything with CSS3 is, is pretty exciting, I think. Mm -hmm. It helps you to create more, well, you have more freedom, more possibilities. Uh, if you think now about a design, it's less in the... You think it less about, uh, I see. Um, I mean, like, it's less in a static way. It makes me think almost like in the days of, of when we were using Flash, not ex exact the same. <laughs> uh -huh. So you start to think more uh, about fun animated things. Uh, like when you simply, when you... Uh, click something or um, the interactions uh, mm -hmm. fun that you can do or when a page loads or um, yeah you can do way more creative stuff and, and the CSS is, is yeah so have you actually been uh, using CSS animations in uh, professional work for clients um just limited because I've been working <laughs> with one big client for a couple of years and still am now fab. So <laughs> I'm having my hands full with fab these days, the website, the mobile app. So I've been really focusing design uh, lately and less on coding. Uh, there's a project that, that is now in the making, but unfortunately I had to outsource the coding <laughs> due to of time um, 
so unfortunately not i've been like reading and and gathering information but it's it's hard to keep up if you're very focused on pure design design tasks so yeah i'm trying to keep up <laughs> with everything so so how is how is the you know the project with fab because as a freelancer i mean do you find it you know with as a freelancer you you hop from job to job to job and since you said you said you've been working with Fab for two years now, like how how is that relationship? You know, do you still enjoy it? Do you still like, or do you feel like you want to work on other projects, or or is it just just a multitude of you know different stuff? You get to, either get to work on the mobile app, you get to work on the website. Yeah, it's more like that. I had like uh, during the last couple of months, I've been designing the iPad app and version of the iPhone uh, app and. I, I find it still very fun to do. I thought I would like <laughs> get bored after a, a while, but it's it's like the iPad app was it's the first iPad app I designed. So for me, it's it was like a really nice challenge to do uh, this design. And for yeah, for the website, uh, I think the site has been. Ev- has evolved uh, with new features and and it's content constantly working on something new like uh when the site launched there were there were just the sales pages but then later this that grew the 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 amount of sales became divided into categories like for foodies for pets pet lovers etc so it constantly grew and it constantly needed new designs and new challenges so like for if you're in um, uh, if you remember i don't know if you remember the first uh, when it was launched there were no categories but now you have all these categories and you can filter sort so they're all like uh, factors and aspects that i had to think about and to make it still uh, work nicely for the user and not like uh, that they're like lost <laughs> easily mm-hmm product they like so the the interface challenges uh, were nice and are still nice to be uh, to design for so that's why I still like working for Fab because it's constantly, it's constantly still a challenge uh, and I combine it with other projects smaller ones on the site mm. so that's a nice uh, variation to have so what's your like you have a, a good perspective then like what what was it what lessons did you learn from I guess from having from having to go from print design to web design to designing a a, mo- a native mobile app like like how was that like going from um, the past experiences that you like that, that you had what what lessons did you learn about designing for an iPhone and based off of your history of designing um I think especially like for uh, the mobile uh, app design is that you try stuff out make sure you look at enough apps to see what's possible and can do and in, in, uh, uh, for the user to make it easier because you have the small screen especially for it's always like a challenge like with the the movements with the finger and 
to to hide the menu and make it still uh, reachable stuff like that uh, the things I learned is yeah mostly that you have to try it out and also when you design it look at the screen and see if there's enough contrast if the tapping area is big enough stuff like that uh, test I guess <laughs> So, so you do a lot of like iterations with mobile than you would with a website, you think? Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. So, what type of um, challenges did you like? You know, you, you overcame. So, you, you talked about the, the menu navigation. So, what about the menu navigation was really tough? Was just just trying to move it, move it around, move it, just hide it, or or like? Yeah, um, the first. The first version didn't have that kind of menu that we have in the in the in the last version. We uh, it's, it's it's just an icon that you can tap, and then the menu reveals. Before that, it was more the traditional I don't know the Apple interface look with the, uh, buttons at the top and the bottom. Right. It takes. Uh, takes uh, a lot of the screen at the top and the bottom. Uh, we try to find ways to hide at, to hide that a little bit more so you can use the extra room. I think also that that through uh, the past uh, year or years, I don't know, that people got more and more familiar with certain uh, conventions, I think. Mm-hmm. Apps can work like Facebook uses the same technique on their mobile app for, for their menu. You have the icon on the top uh, left and it reveals the menu. We do the similar, the similar, the same uh, movement. Um, so that's why I think you have to look around and use enough apps to see, to, 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 to find ideas and, and, and uh, learn from them. Uh, yeah, so it's, it sounds like in, in a way it's like the, like a new frontier, like the web was in like the mid nineties, right? Like you just, you just have to try new things and yeah. work. There, there's no like, I mean, I think we're getting to a point now where like we have design patterns for mobile that are just coming out and they're not just coming out, but just we've kind of find trying to find mobile's way of being like, they're just the way of working with a mobile app, right. In terms of like a website, like now we have breadcrumb navigation, we have, Logo placements in the upper left-hand corner. You know, it just there's certain not cliches, but certain ways of web design that we have grown accustomed to. And so we're just like, yeah. so now we're you're saying like we're, just, we're still in that initial phase for for mobile, right? Yeah, in a way we are. But you you see sometimes new things appearing. Uh, but yeah, there are certain patterns that people know, like how to refresh your feet. Like if you're in the app, the Fab app also has like a live feed where you can see what others have purchased or liked or pinned. And people just know that you have to like to refresh, that you have to to slide with your finger as or I don't know, vertically, like on Twitter, the Twitter works like that as well. It has the same refresh technique. So things like that are becoming uh, common. Uh, and it's yeah, it's exciting to do to do like stuff that are a bit different. Like I remember with the, the before Fab was Fab, it was 
called Fabulous and it was a, a social media website for gay people. So I did an iPhone app for, for that as well. And one of the things was like, there was a, to find people uh, just like random, there was a randomizer in there. It was like, I, I drew like uh, a jack thing. And so people would just their iPhone and then you saw that thing uh, <laughs> rotating like jackpot. And then you saw a member uh, on the screen. So stuff like that is... is <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of designers are trying to work out um, the proper workflow for creating mobile apps and, and uh, mobile websites. Um, it sounds like you work with a team, so you're handing off designs to uh, the developers. How, how do you hand off a designer? What do you create? What are your deliverables that you are giving to the um, production team? Uh, I deliver actually all my files in, in Photoshop for it. Um, and they, they start from there. But I make sure that everything is like vector-based. So it's all okay for the retina display. Uh, so everything is scalable, actually. So icons and except just the photos that are in there, then they are not uh, scaled. But rest is every, everything is scalable. So it's Photoshop, but it's vector-based. And then how do you describe interactivity? I mean, you know, because now we have the drop-down menus and things pop up. And how, how, how do you communicate that to, to the uh, production team? Uh, I also, well, in Photoshop, I also do work with layer comps. So I just make, I present them in a design. Like when you tap, this is how it looks when you tap on a button, uh, stuff like that. So with layer comps, I can then export just screens as JPEGs and they see it like that. And we also discuss it together, like just verbally, mm -hmm. but also make sure they have everything in, in as a design so they actually see uh, and the rest is actually yeah, verbally like with the jackpot for instance I can only deliver static uh, images and then explain <laughs> what I would like it to do mm -hmm. so, yeah. do you have uh, do you guys have conventions for like for example in Photoshop you name your layers in a certain way so they understand that a, one layer is uh, you know the the hover state for example I do that by default because otherwise it's it's not workable for me. I have the good habit to name everything. So, but from their end, they have never demanded or asked anything like we would prefer it like this or that. So, uh, I did once uh, export everything like the icons and the different states using Slicey. I don't know if you know the app. No. Uh the Slicey app now too <laughs> it's from a, it's actually from a Belgian company who <laughs> 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 also, is also the creator of CSS Edit and Espresso oh yeah, they, oh, yeah, yeah. use it for, yeah, also for exporting uh, web image, images for your websites so, but I use it for the iPad app because there are like lots of icons and there I my layers exactly how the file name should be like uh, I don't know icon underscore uh, um, 
En, ja, en nee. En dan dot PNG. And then I also make sure there's a special layer to export the icons for the retina display. So it's it's pretty handy. It's otherwise they had to save like a hundred icons in different states and different sizes, and so that helped a lot. That's that's workflow I presented to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now they're using it as oh, far as. Um, one question I have is is that uh, you know fab.com has a, a very specific color palette of like black and red and white and uh, maybe grays in there too. But you know, and since you, but you are also known for having a really kind of almost uh, trademark color <laughs> colors in your in your designs and <laughs> yeah. And I I wanted to ask about that, but also I just want to ask like like yeah, just ask about like like you. What, what do you think about that? Because your website is very colorful, yet it's not too like crazy colors. Like you know, like you, people can just go crazy with colors, but but um, in terms of like a rainbow effect or whatever. But you seem to have like a nice, I don't know, kind of controlled chaos, I guess, if you will, if you've, in a polite way, I guess it was. But uh, in terms of your color choices and and can you is talk about where that came from? Uh, that's hard to explain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was already clear in, in in art school that that the teachers say you have like I remember my my screen printer teacher. He said like you have a nice way of, of using colors. That's your strong strongest point. I was always I always got that remark. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know. I am. Um, but like for Fab, I knew that the products would be like the most important thing. And I immediately knew that, and I felt also from the the people, uh, well, the, the the two founders, because at that time it was just the two founders that I just worked with, and 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 they they were already um, thinking of not using all too much color, keep it very sober. So I thought, like, why not use just black? and grays and use red for highlight color so it was pretty clear from the start but i find it actually very nice and challenge a nice challenge to uh, design something with only these colors so that was like fun to do and i don't know um i i think it's like a feeling that i have i just I can immediately feel or sense if something works together or not. Um, it's hard to explain. Oh, yeah, 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 I can, I can understand that. You just, you just have like, you just know when you, yeah. when you see it. So, um, my, my, my other question is like, is against you know, you were there at the web at the beginning, and at the beginning, you know, representing colors on the web was difficult. Right, you know, because you didn't have a, a wide range of colors for for to choose from, because that uh, in terms of people's monitors weren't that great in terms of you know showing colors mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, like, how how do you feel about your colors now? Like, do you worry about uh, the color choices and making sure they work the same on Mac or PC, or do you just you know like what is your workflow and making sure your, your colors that you work in, in Photoshop appear? In a, in a web design or, or an iPhone app? Um, 
Well, I use color management. I mean, color sync. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in via the Adobe apps. So there I make sure I have like a correct setting and that my screen is calibrated. I use Color Monkey. I don't know if you know Color Monkey. It's, it's, it's a device that you can use on your screen. Mm-hmm. So coloring. Actually, now red, I should do another scan, <laughs> another calibration. Uh, I do that like every four weeks. And I have like a setting for uh web colors mm-hmm. use that for but i i, I uh, assign my document with that specific color profile and so when i export my images i see i see no color shifting of course the mac pc thing and then the whole range of screens that's another story but i think uh i don't think you need to aim for the bad screen mm-hmm. to to have that like the standard and then, uh, you know, starting point. I think the more quality screens or the, because then you, you like, if you use that as, as, as the starting point, then oh, people better call. Okay. <laughs> oh. If it's good on the medium range, and it's less. It's yeah. It's it's because of that screen. That's my opinion. Then. So when you uh, get a new client, let's say you're kind of going from the ground up and doing a, like a branding project for a new company, uh, the logo and everything. How do you go about um, thinking about a color palette? What informs your choices of which color you think our colors will work for a particular client? Um. I first try to find out what, what the client likes, what he thinks his colors, his colors should be for his logo uh, and his brand. And sometimes they don't have an idea, mm-hmm. but they have, I, I show them examples or I ask them to, to look up some, ex, uh, to, to show me some examples that they like. Um, but usually I present them with, with different choices. But one bus- some businesses ask for a particular color and others are like, yeah, that you don't know. Uh, I don't know, that you don't know, uh, that you don't associate stuff with like, for example, if it's a, a company that has something to do with ecology or nature, it's obvious you're going to go into the green and browns and natural colors or colors from nature but others they don't have people don't associate any color with it and then i try to just present nice combinations actually and uh and then we go from there (laughs) Mm -hmm. try to uh luckily i i never have clients that have (laughs) bad choices but uh in the early yeah because now when years go by and people come to you it's different but in the early days when you have to take what you can get you sometimes have clients that have like bad tastes and then it's way harder to to, uh, steer them away like no i wouldn't go for this i would go for that for this palette but yeah it's a matter of 
showing them enough options and but not too, not too many either because <laughs> that can work bad as um, it's it's uh, it's it can work like uh, that you present two or three ideas and that he likes or she likes something from ID one something from ID two right. and you have to mash it together there's always situations that you need to try to avoid but <laughs> so um, if, if I was to talk about just briefly about the the tools that you use for color like uh, I have no idea what color monkey is what is what is what is color monkey uh, it's, a, it's a device uh, actually you can that calibrates your screen okay and it's very simple it works with software and it it put, it's, it takes you through the steps it's uh, you put it on your screen and you start up the software and then it's you need to turn a wheel it's it's all like um, guided in this like what you need to do it shows an image of that of that device like now turn this and then put it on your screen and then it's like it only takes a few minutes. It's like a step or three, and that your, your screen is is calibrating. You see it flashing from red to green. So first, it measures your light environment, your in a, or environmental light, and then it it starts to scanning, uh, uh, calibrating your screen. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's a it's a device that you get uh, a company X right makes it they've been around for a really long time they've made all sorts of color management calibration stuff i use one by the same company it's called i1 display and um like viral saying you just put it on your screen and i do it every week it reminds you it pops up a little message and it just goes through and i don't know how it does it's magic but it it knows what the colors are supposed to look like mm -hmm. um through its software and it just tweaks your your monitor gives it a new color profile and you use that color profile and it's it's really awesome it works with uh so if you're in a bright office it works with the ambient light so it helps kind of figure out from where you're sitting with all the light around you on your screen uh, how that might affect the colors and um i do it a lot for photography and it's it's really it's a amazing uh you know tool right so, so it's a tool for like calibrating the the print with your own computer because the colors is, is that right like the outside world with the with the, with your computer is that well it's i think it's more like um it the software has an idea of what the colors what colors are supposed to look like and this device is on your screen and it flashes through the software flashes through colors and it says this color should look like this so it knows that It'll have to adjust whatever the settings are on your monitor to, you know, change the gamma or the brightness or whatever to match with the colors that it has programmed into its uh, into its its software. Okay, cool. All right, awesome. And then and then, so, but but I'm just trying to say is like, so that will give you an idea of like fixing your machine to, for the colors uh, with like your your photos and. And your environment and with your computer, uh, my concern is that does this help you with like designing graphics for web de delivery? Like you know, in terms of like, do you encode a profile into your images and put them into a web page and stuff like that? Is is there something different that you use or something that you use in addition to Color Monkey, or is it just or you just just use Color Monkey for? 
for that. Is there any other part of the process for, for, for color syncing? You're asking me? Sure. sure. Uh, no. Um, it's been a while since I set it up, but I don't think the, I think the profile I use is just a web profile. I, I'm just wondering if it's... It's it's not linked to the color monkey. I think color monkey just looks at your screen to see what you're seeing, like uh, how Dave, uh, Dave said. And so, and then you you said like uh, the color sync utility for Mac. So you just and that's just for like profiling or calibrating as well, or do you use that with the color monkey, or how's that? Uh, say that again. Sorry. Oh, no problem. Yeah. No. So, with uh, you, you mentioned earlier, like the, the color sync app. Yeah. So, is is that just for calibrating? In addition, with with the color monkey. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. And so, okay, awesome. So it sounds like you know, like the because like I remember in the early days of the web, it's like we had a, like the web save palette, you know, web save colors. And you know, like, do you bother using the website palette anymore? Or? Oh, actually, <laughs> I used to in, in, in the early days. I did, yeah, we had to, but now not because, yeah, this the monitors are, are, are yeah, are all there now and can have so many colors. And now with the retina <laughs> displays, it's yeah, yeah. even sharper and better so yeah I th yeah i think it goes back to like what you were saying earlier that like things are just like talking about your job your first job where you had to go you know to the basement and do the photograph of the logos in the, in the in the footer you know in this really slow process you know it's like with web now that you know we don't have to worry about color choices or like you know, making sure our website our colors are web safe or anything like that it's just it's just amazing but you know but we still need to do a little bit of calibration and, and, so, and so I'm really gonna look into this color monkey uh, tool for just for helping out with that so I think that's but because uh, because I worry about making sure that we want to worry about kind of like limitations too much with our with our browsers but we still have to worry about you know the tablet devices that are coming out like um, uh, in terms of like uh, the Nexus 7 which I which from Google which I love however it's not as bright as like the other tablets on the market, and so I worry about, um, you know, the color re reproduction of these images that, you know, and especially with, your, with the colors that you pick and, and how they're bright and vibrant and, you know, and how they they uh, show up on, on different devices. And so, um, so do you do anything in addition to the color monkey like that, or just you're just, you know, good to go? Um, the only thing I, I make sure is that the the files have a, a certain profile attached. I use the the sRGB profile. Okay. You know, and and that's actually the profile that's that you use for for web. So it's web safe. Oh, web safe. It's it's the profile that comes closest to uh, showing the colors that are. <laughs> the same for everything on the web. So because the yeah, it's complex. I I found that's very complex. 
material because the browser themselves also have some browsers have their own color uh, management thing going and and with using when using this profile it 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 makes sure that your images or work, work uh, or see, look the same uh, in all browsers and if you're using CSS colors uh, the numbers they are exact the same if you would use the color picker the Photoshop color picker on a certain color it's it's exactly that color that you will get uh, in your browser uh, so is, is someone else there talking to oh sorry it's probably here that you are <laughs> well yeah, the, t t tell them we said hey so <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's awesome. that's, no that's awesome cool well um we, we probably need to talk to him at one point too so uh but i think it's probably a good time to uh to to bring it, bring it to a wrap but uh but there's a question that we always ask is uh what are you passionate about the web right now i mean you've you've seen pretty much everything with the web from like uh you know from the early days of the web to now this mobile uh, explosion that we have now, like, but what part of the of the industry are you really excited about? Um, I think, the, yeah, the mobile thing. I don't know. It's just the beginning, so who knows where it will go? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's also challenging because it's so we're still like in in the in the early ages to find uh, what is the right steps to proceed for for just the technical part of it. You know, the HTML and CSS is, is becoming really complex. Mm -hmm. There's many methods and ways. So, but in general, I mean, what you can do <laughs> with mobile and everything. So that, that's an exciting part. Um, I don't know where it will end <laughs> with all those absent stuff you can do yeah well uh Daryl, thank you so much for coming on our show um how can people uh find out more about you or follow you on twitter or any other kind of social media stuff um people can follow me on twitter uh, via v peters uh that's my ad handle and uh, on my blog uh is verle.duo.com um I'm also on Facebook, um, as Peters <laughs> Dribble, also on Veerle Peters. Um, yeah, and on my blog, on my About page, there you have also the social and stuff. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. And I do recommend uh, to our audience to check out Veerle's uh, Dribble. Uh, stream because she's prolific. She's got a lot of stuff on there and it's beautiful work. Um, we'd like to thank Chris from Canada. He's not here today, but uh, thanks for being our producer and congratulations on your new daughter and I hope everything's going well. Thanks to the listeners and if you uh, would like to rate us on iTunes, that would be awesome. We appreciate it and get the word out about our show on Twitter and Facebook. Um, thanks, Viral, for joining us on Nonbreaking Space. Um, as always, you can check the show notes out at www.nonbreakingspace.com for all links and sites discussed here during the episode. And special thanks to uh, our sponsor, 
Patreon. We don't have a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, we don't have those, man. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we'll have to edit that out. But uh, in, uh, anyway, Vero, thanks so much for being on the show. It's great talking to you. Thank you too. Right. It was a- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much.